It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the NBA expert, NBA guru, got Jay Smooth in the house. You guys can find him on Twitter as well at Smooth underscore 702. You guys can always get us at thebettingpredators.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Smooth, here we go. We're going to go ahead. We're going to talk a little NBA. Uh, We'll break down two, three games for you guys for your NBA Sunday. And Smooth and I, we're going to go ahead, we're going to talk through a couple topics that we have that are kind of hot right now on the presses. Uh, Let's start out with Curry there, Smooth. This is a topic that you and I haven't had a chance to go ahead and discuss. Now, he's going to be out. It looks like there's a potential, you know, that he may come back maybe for the final, you know, two, three games out of the year. Uh, Some reports saying, you know, he might just come back for the playoffs. Not necessarily sure how you feel about that. Uh, Personally, I think that no, that's going to hurt Golden State because it was, you know, let's get Clay, let's get Draymond, let's get Curry out on the court. And, you know, they play one game together and, damn, there goes Curry. So I do think that that's going to hurt them, you know, maybe not heading into the playoffs. But, look, you're playing a playoff team and you got to go through a series. I think it's going to take a little bit of time for, you know, those guys to kind of get it going. You know, you seem like um, you might not be all that too worried just because those guys have played so well together and, and how long they've played together. Um, so it is a little bit of a concern for me, but let's talk Golden State. You know, coming down the stretch now, it looks like Jordan Poole more than likely is going to end up taking over for Curry. Uh, not necessarily sure how you feel about that, but overall with Golden State, you know, how you feel about them? You know, with Curry, you know, going to be out at least, let's just say, for at least two weeks. Um, you know, just from the fan perspective, it it kind of sucks that you know he's going to be out because you know you already mentioned that. You know, we only got to see, you know, Steph, Clay, and Draymond on the floor for one game, um, you know, that Washington game. And, you know, we know that the run that they've been on with that big three. And, you know, they just looked really excited to be out on the floor healthy again, you know, against the Wizards. And, you know, Curry goes out against Boston, um, you know, with, you know, Marcus Smart, you know, just having a, you know, kind of a, a freak type of injury, you know, diving for a loose ball and you know, ends up hurting him. But, you know, the, you know, Curry, obviously he's the, uh, you know, one of the main pieces that their offense is designed around uh, having an MVP type of season. But I do think with how, you know, the emergence of Jordan Poole has happened this year, um, you know, he tends to be a lot more aggressive when Curry is out. Uh, Steve Kerr made a, a great adjustment going back to the um, going back to the Milwaukee Bucks game in certain pool into the starting lineup with Curry and Clay Thompson, and you kind of see that you know, having three ball handlers that could shoot it, uh, dribble it, and make plays for themselves or each other um, is just a, a great combination and harder to stop. And I do think it is still, you know, have uh, have an impact with Poole, you know, taking over the point of position while Curry's out. And, you know, it'd be a little bit of drop-off, obviously, because it's, it's Steph Curry, but no, with you know a couple weeks left in the regular season, I don't think it'll be, I don't think it'll be too much of a too hurt them that much because of you know what they they know what they want to do with Curry, you know when he's out there and the chemistry between Curry, Thompson, and Draymond. Um, I don't think that'll be an issue, but I do think that it could be an issue for you know the other younger guys like Poole, Wiggins, or Jonathan Kuminga to you know be able to adjust and play around you know, the, the big three when they're out there on the court because they haven't had a chance to do that yet. And, you know, those three players, you know, they're pretty heavy in their rotation, but I don't think either of them have played, you know, playoff basketball yet. So 
you know, when Curry comes back, there's only going to be a few games left in the regular season. And then they're going to have to try to figure out all those adjustments with those three healthy, you know, out on the floor, you know, once the playoffs start. So I do think that could be a little bit of an issue, you know, looking, you know, going towards the playoffs. But as far as getting through the rest of the regular season and, you know, solidifying a top three spot, you know, out West, I don't think it'd be that much of a of an issue for them. Yeah, it kind of sucks. I mean, I was all excited to see Draymond out there, you know, running and gunning with Curry and Thompson and, you know, Curry goes down. Now the Spurs, they're going to be on the road tomorrow. They'll be playing the Warriors. Warriors right now laying minus six and a half. I would kind of lean in that direction uh, rather strong. You know, I have to take a few things into consideration. One, you know, you're coming off of a home loss against Boston, who uh, I think arguably is playing maybe some of the best basketball right now in the league. So you're coming off of a loss and you have your star player that's out. And we, you know, we know how things are. You know, sometimes when, you know, your best player goes down, you know, the team rallies around and, and they, they kind of just, you know, go out and they, they play their best basketball. And I think that they probably will here. And here's another situation that I that I kind of don't like right now with San Antonio. You know, the fact that, you know, they played a team in New Orleans the other day and they were down by like 40 points. They ended up getting beat by like 30-some points. You know, when you had touched on that team, you know, go back a couple of weeks ago when we were having that Embiid-Jokic MVP conversation about, you know, how that team has been playing defense. And Golden State has a pretty good defense. And I think if, you know, coming off of a loss and playing at home with no Curry, that if there is one thing that that, that team's going to seriously focus on is going to be, you know, picking up their defense against guys like Murray and, and Keldon Johnson and stuff like that. So I do think defensively Golden State could probably shut down San Antonio. San Antonio has been known, you know, at times to just not show up with that particular team, which, you know, it's frustrating for me because I think they have a, a pretty good young squad. But I just can't trust them on the road here in this particular spot. So, no, I would go ahead. I would play Golden State laying the minus six and a half. Now, you like a player prop, and this is something that you and I had discussed. You know, we were talking about Curry being out of lineup. You know, what's it going to look like now with Poole? The player prop that you like, what do you got? Yeah, I'm looking at uh, Jordan Poole. And, you know, there's nothing official yet, whether you're looking at DraftKings or FanDuel as far as his number towards his player props, but, you know, his last three games since he's been inserted into the starting lineup, it was around 18 and a half to 19 and a half. So I'm looking at a, I'm guessing or estimated a point prop would be somewhere around 20, anywhere between 20 and a half to 22 and a half uh, with, uh, with Steph Curry out. And, you know, I like those numbers, you know, his last five games, whether he's been in the starting lineup or not, he's gone, he scored 20 or more. And in his last game, when Curry went down, he scored 29 and he does get, you know, a lot more aggressive, you know, with Curry uh, out of the lineup and playing that point position. And when you look at this Spurs defense, they just gave up a lot of points and lost pretty bad, you know, to the Pelicans. And looking at their defense, their bottom 10 in defensive rating, you know, their bottom five in opponent effective field goal percentage of the Warriors are at home and they do play really well in front of their home crowd and shoot the ball really well. And they just lost in front of that home crowd against the Celtics, who's a much better defense than San Antonio. So in, um, inserting, you know, Jordan Poole into the starting lineup and him taking over a bigger role uh, offensively with Curry out. You know, I would look to play his uh, his point prop, you know, to the over. And I'm thinking that it'll be somewhere between, you know, 20, 20 and a half to 22 and a half. And I'll, and I'll play that over. Yeah, if it comes out, you know, in that area of 20, 22 and a half, I'll certainly play that over there with you. I think one of the reasons why I probably like that a lot is the fact that, well, 
Draymond's going to be out there. We know Draymond's not looking to score. He's looking to go ahead and, and kind of do what he does, and that's distribute the basketball. And we know Poole's going to shoot threes. You know, Poole and Clay, they're going to go out there, going to shoot threes. And I think with that team at home, uh, last game, Clay Thompson was just one for 11. Uh, I certainly don't see that happening. And I think it could be, you know, kind of the Splash Brothers, you know, look alike here, you know, with Poole and Thompson. And I think Poole probably goes over. I would probably set his number higher if I was a sports book, uh, maybe somewhere around 24 and a half protecting against that. But look, if it comes out, you know, in the area that you're saying, uh, I'll certainly be on that. Let's go to another topic here. There, so I do want to talk, you know, a little bit. Maybe eh, let's skip the MVP stuff for this particular podcast. But there is a wager that I do want to talk about. Uh, it's a future right now on Fanduel and DraftKings that you guys can get, and it's Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, there's a couple guys listed here. You have Bam Adebayo, you have Rudy Gobert, you have Giannis, uh, a couple of the other guys that are on here. You have Reggie Williams, you have. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., and I believe there's another guy on there. You can let me know who that is. Uh, But let's talk about Defensive Player of the Year. Right now, Bam is a slight favorite, uh, right around plus 110, and you can get Gobert, you know, in that plus 140, plus 160 area. Um, Here's what I'm thinking there, Smooth. I would probably play Bam now at plus 110. Let me give you a few reasons. One, I think the number one seed is important. I think that that is going to... Um, to kind of show up when, when it comes time to take the votes and be like, you know what, this team would not be the number one seed uh, without this guy on the court the way that he's played. Uh, I don't think you can go and say like Duncan Robinson has been amazing or that Jimmy Butler, you know, with the time that he's missed, um, it has been anything special. But like this team right now, it's, it's you know, it's Tyler Hero, it's Bam Adebayo, it's guys like that. And I think that the, you know, the voters are going to look at that and the fact they're number one seed and I don't see them losing it. I think that there's probably a very good chance that he gets this award. The reason I wouldn't play Gobert is that he's won this award three out of the last four years. And I think they would be maybe a little reluctant to go ahead and give it to him. And you have to look at Utah's schedule. They have what, like six, seven games in a row on the road. This team can drop some games here. Uh, Mike Conley's been banged up. You got to wonder how he's going to go. Even Mitchell's missed some games. So I think Utah can only go down. I don't know what it would take there, Smooth, you know, for somebody like Gobert to go ahead and, and, and come back and snatch this award away. You were looking at some of the bigger price guys. Uh, so I don't necessarily know how you feel about this. But me personally, uh, I know it's a little chalky, but I would probably take Bam. But do you see anything that would get Gobert over the finish line? Or do you see anybody behind uh behind Gobert and those guys that, you know, that could maybe sneak up and, and steal the award. Yeah, I don't have much pushback on Bam. I would actually agree with you if you like Bam to play him now at plus 120 with Miami sitting, you know, first overall in the, in the East and looking to wrap that up. But uh, with Rudy Gobert, um, you mentioned that he, he's won it, you know, three times, I think over the last five seasons or four seasons. And I think the impression of, you know, a lot of people throughout the league of, you know, the last time we saw Rudy Gobert in a in a you know tough situation going back to the playoffs against the Clippers, you know, he really got exposed, you know, um, against that team where they just spaced out the floor with some some guards and just attacked him and uh, attacked the basket. So, you know, he does a really good job of protecting the paint, um, but I don't think he's as impactful as he once was, you know, the times that he won it and then just having that lasting image of, you know, how bad he was exposed throughout the playoffs. I don't think I don't see him winning it this year, uh, but so I do like some value players. Um, it's a guy eleven to one, uh, Robert Williams, uh, starting center for the Celtics. I would 
you know, that would be my pick there. Uh, Celtics, they have the number one defensive rating in the league. And in some, you know, important, important, you know, analytical uh, defensive statistics, uh, Robert Williams is either top three or number one, you know, defensive win shares, defensive block uh, plus minus, and uh, overall defensive rating. He's either top three or he's number one in those uh, main categories. And he anchors the defense for the Celtics a lot like Gobert does for the Jazz. But he's also athletic enough to play defense on the perimeter. If he gets switched out to a guard or a wing player that handles the ball, he can keep those guys in front of them while altering their shots or or challenging their shots and get back into play and, you know, still keeping their defense, the Celtic defense at a high level. And I think that the run that you've seen the Celtics go on to, you know, push them to a top four seed out east has come, you know, from a lot of what they've done on the defensive end you know, led by, you know, Robert Williams. And you know, obviously, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown get a lot of the uh, attention with the way that they can score the ball. But when you look at what they've been able to do defensively, um, you know, they've held a lot of their opponents to under 100, uh, under 100 points. I think that starts with uh, Robert Williams and uh, Marcus Smart, but more so Robert Williams. And with his value at 11 to 1, you know, I think that's a, a better bang for your buck. So I would grab him at 11 to 1. It's certainly not a bad ticket. You know, I watched him play the game the other day and he was a he was an absolute monster against Golden State. You know, one of the key reasons why, you know, they ended up winning that game. Uh, a lot of guys that win the East, you know, could end up being, you know, the defensive player of the year. I mean, you got Giannis, guys like Williams and Bam. Why don't we talk a little bit about the Eastern Conference? Um, I don't know, Smooth, I'm looking at the at the playoff seedings, you know, one through ten. And Atlanta right now, they're sitting in the ten seed. There are full five games above Washington and the Knicks. Do you think like the East is pretty much set? Like we have our our top ten teams right now. Yeah, uh, with the ten that's in there right now, from one through the play in, I don't really see anybody else getting in. You know, uh, getting into that, getting into that mix. You look at teams like the Wizards, Knicks, Pacers, uh, and the Pistons outside of you know outside of the the top ten in that playing spot. I think a lot of those teams have what it takes to make up that type of ground, you know, with a, you know, few weeks left in the regular season. Um, and when you look at, you know, teams like the Knicks, um, they've already, I think they've already gone into tank, tank mode by uh, sitting uh, Kimball Walker. You know, he's out of the rotation since all-star break. Um, Derek Rose is likely not to come back. Uh, veteran bigs like Taj Gibson, and Nerlens Noel are out of the rotation, and they're playing a lot of young guys like uh, Jericho Sims and some other guys that, you know, really haven't played a whole lot. And, you know, Tom Thibodeau has already came out and said that, you know, he wants to get a good look at um, at some of the younger guys that weren't in the rotation consistently. So um, I think the Knicks have pretty much punted on this season, and they're going to be looking at playing some young guys. But some teams like the uh, Pacers, um, I don't see them throwing in the towel. I just, don't, I just think that they – they're too far back to try to make up that type of ground. You know, they just had that big trade with Sacramento, bringing in Tyrese Halliburton and, and Buddy Hield, And, you know, those guys are playing. And I think they want to develop some chemistry and, you know, try to develop some type of uh, winning culture going into next season. So I don't see those guys, you know, um, playing well enough and, and winning enough games to get into the mix. But And even the run that the Pistons have been on as of late, um, I think they're just too far back to try to get into that mix as well. So with the top 10 in the East, I think it's pretty much solidified and then they'll just be battling for, you know, position 
uh, you know, playoff position. All right, so I do have a question for you. It comes down to uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I haven't really seen this wager yet. Um, I haven't seen it in a while, actually. Cleveland Cavaliers to make the playoffs. Now, they're sitting in the sixth seed right now. Uh, obviously, you have Toronto behind them, Brooklyn, Charlotte, the Hawks. Do you think that the fact that, that Karis LeVert has come back now, that Cleveland is going to be able to go ahead and gut out a couple more wins and make sure that they're in there? So Toronto's just a game and a half back. Do you think that they could sneak into that six seed? Maybe Chicago falls down or Brooklyn. You know, is there a chance maybe Brooklyn can go on a run here, uh, just being four games back, you know, from that six seed? But I'm looking at Cleveland. I'm like, the fact they get Levert back, I think that might be enough to go ahead and, and get them, you know, into the playoffs. Yeah, I think um, the work that Cleveland has done pretty much the whole season has put them in a pretty good position to get in the playoffs as a as a top six team. I think the biggest thing that's hurt them recently is the injury to Jared Allen. I think with his hand, he's you know missing some time. And when you had the combination of Jared Allen and Evan Mobley out there, they really had a, an elite defense. But now with uh, Jared Allen out, uh, some teams have been able to you know put some points up against them. And since All Star break, uh, teams coming out of the All Star break. I think uh, Darius Garland had missed some time along with Karis LeVert, and they just had got Karis LeVert. But now that they're getting him back, uh, I think they'll be able to, you know, score, you know, score enough points and be in positions to, you know, to maintain their position, win some games, and you know, finish as a top six team. Uh, if you look at a team like the Bulls, you know, we've been pretty high on them late uh, all season, but lately. Um, you know, their their weaknesses are starting to show, uh, especially when they're going up against some of the top teams, you know, out of the conference. I think they're still 0-15 out of the top four seeds out of the East or West. And um, they haven't got Alonzo Ball back yet, even though they got Caruso back. So you, you can say that they're still not whole, but, you know, they have their best players in uh, DeRozan and Levine and, and Vucevic. But um, that would probably be a team that I think would drop and a team like Brooklyn can move up. But, just with the work that the Cavs have done all year, I think they're, you know, uh, developed enough good habits to, you know, get back on track and, and maintain their p- uh, playoff position. Yeah, I don't see a wager on DraftKings for that. I would love to at least see a number for that. And, you know, credit to you, you know, we had talked, what was it, maybe a month, month and a half ago, you know, about the Bulls. And they were sitting up there with Miami right there in that, uh, right, right up there in that 1-2 seed. And that was a team you identified that, um, that you kind of disliked coming down the stretch. And sure enough, you know, that team has fallen down. That was certainly a good call. Now, you mentioned the Knicks. Let's talk about some tanking teams. Uh, the Knicks are going to end up playing tomorrow. Um, they're playing the Jazz. We talked about the Jazz already a little bit. Like I said, the Jazz have to play like six or seven games now uh, on the road. It's going to be, you know, it's go time for that team. You know, they're only, what, two and a half games out of, you know, the play-in. So uh, I would kind of lean here towards um, the Jazz, and they're laying five points. That line was four and a half uh, just a minute ago there at Penny. It has ticked now up to five. So I kind of like Utah going into that game. But let's talk about, you know, teams like the Knicks, teams like uh, OKC in Orlando and in Houston. You know, do you think that, like, right now, Smooth, like some of these teams, they're done, they're gone, they're out. And we're looking at, like uh, – no percentages for teams to go ahead and get the first pick. You know, can you see maybe a Knicks team kind of folding up and just saying, screw it, uh, maybe an OKC or an Orlando? Like, is now the time that 
that we start looking at teams like really looking to tank. Uh, have you identified any of those teams right now um, that you could point your finger at and say, you know what, this team is, is pretty suspect right now with the efforts and the lineups that they're putting out there? I think the team that fits that mode the most right now is would be the Knicks. Um, you know, like I mentioned before, when we was talking about uh, talking about them earlier, um, you know, Thibodeau uh, has already came out and said that you know, they're sitting a lot of their veteran guys and Kimball Walker just falling out of the rotation when they don't really have a point guard, um, you know, that can make the game easy for, you know, R.J. Barrett or Julius Randle or even just try to, you know, turn the season around and, and try to fight to get into that, you know, 10th or 9th spot um, for the play-in. You know, they were a 4th or 5th seed, you know, last year and got bounced out of the first round to the Hawks. But, you know, just given, you know, the the type of season that they have, that they have had, um, you know, they, I just think that they're in a position to where they're more closer to, you know, fight for a, you know, a lottery pick more so than get into the playoffs. And, you know, with the statements that Tom Thibodeau has already came out and said, um, it, it all that lines up for them to, you know, just kind of punt on the rest of this season and just play a lot of young guys and, you know, let them develop and see where that goes. But just right now, looking at their position on Tankathon, you know, they're tied for, you know, 11th with, you know, the best odds to get the number one pick, even though they're far away from it at like 1.7%. Um, you know, they could still you know, try to work their way up into a top 10 or, or better pick uh, for the upcoming draft and, you know, come offseason time, try to either, you know, pick the best player available to go with their young players and kind of start all over or try to package something together to bring in another, you know, veteran player, you know, that'll fit, you know, with them try to get back on track and get into the playoffs. But just with the type of season the Knicks have had this year, I would say them out of any other team um, would be, you know, going in, going into take mode by, you know, playing a lot of younger guys. There are two other teams I just mentioned that, that are actually playing tomorrow. We got the Thunder and the Magic. Uh, we won't discuss that game on here uh, because it looks like, according to Smooth, um, that he might actually have a premium pick uh, on that particular game. So if you guys are looking to go ahead and find out who he's on in that particular game, you guys can go over to pregame.com, find Smooth, and go ahead and pick up his premium play. I, I'm guessing you might have that. Uh, in your sights there, smooth for tomorrow, right? Yeah, uh, I've done a little bit of, of research and, and work on that matchup. So uh, I have some good stuff to put out, you know, later to, um, you know, try to, you know, uh, make some money off, uh, you know, off of that matchup there. So, you know, like you mentioned, um, you know, just be on the lookout for that right up on pregame. And, you know, those are two other teams, you know, that are, you know, in the lottery hunt, but uh, they've been playing, you know, um, not playing well as far as record wise, but playing tough and, you know, and competing with what they have, you know, on the roster. So um, there'll be some, uh, some good nuggets that I'll uncover for that matchup. And uh, you'll catch that on a pregame. How about this move? And you could tell me a little bit more about this because you alerted to, um, you alerted me to, to the Detroit Pistons, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, what the hell is that team doing? Because they're a team that, you know, rightfully so should be tanking, um, but they're covering games left and right. Like, I don't know how many games they've covered in a row or covered out of like their last 20, but if you've been betting Detroit, you've been making money hand over a fist. Like what's going on with that team? Um, you know, what are you seeing with them right now? It's just a team maybe, you know, that we look at next year, a team that that's grown a lot, you know, with bringing in Kate Cunningham, guys like Sadiq Bay, he went off for like 51 points 
uh, just the other day. Now, what are you seeing with Detroit? Why are they covering all these games? And I guess maybe another question to ask you is, you know, where was this particular effort all season long? Or is it kind of like one of those college basketball situations with like a Duke or a Kentucky or something like that where, you know, they're just too young and it takes a while to really kind of get things going? Like, what have you really seen with the Pistons? Uh, do you think that that team may tank or do you think they'll just continue to keep knocking out all these covers? Yeah, um, you mentioned that, you know, sometimes it takes a, a young team to kind of develop in jail and, you know, play consistent basketball night in, night out. And, you know, that's what I would go with as far as what we're seeing with them lately. You know, we, we um, you know, last time we got together, you know, we I gave out a pick with them, uh, Detroit, and they was, you know, cat covered five straight at that point in time. And since then, you know, they've covered, you know, 11 of their last 12. Uh, covered again tonight, was getting uh, six against the Cavs and lost by four. And in some of these some of these instances, they won these games too. So um, when you look at a guy like Kay Cunningham, he's obviously played a lot better. Uh, number one pick from the draft last year. I think during that span, he's averaging over 20 points a game, shooting really efficient from the field. And then you got guys like Jeremy Grant, um, Sadiq Bey, who just had a 50-point game against the Magic when there was no Jeremy Grant or Kate Cunningham. So um, I don't think that this would be a team that would go into tank mode and say, and try to battle for, um, you know, draft position um, where they currently stand right now. They are, they already have, you know, one of the three best odds of, you know, landing the number one pick, you know, they're tied with the magic and the Rockets at 14%. So, um, and they also have, you know, a good mix of young players on their roster right now, but, um, I just think that with the type of coach that Dwayne Casey is, you know, with, you know, the the remaining games that they have, you know, left in their regular season, you know, they're not going to be in the play-in, they're not going to be in the playoffs. So all this momentum that they're building is just habits, you know, good habits that they can finish out the season with and, um, you know, carry on into next season, kind of like, you know, the Suns did a few years ago, kind of like the Grizzlies did a few years ago and, uh, the Timberwolves they did, you know, a couple couple years ago. I think the, the the Pistons are in that same position to where they can continue, you know, playing hard and looking out to to go win as many games as they can and they're they're gonna get a lot of the good numbers which they you know which they have over the last twelve. So I think this is uh the Pistons, you know, would be a team that you could continue to look to back um and you know continue to making money with as they look to you know, close out their regular season on a on a high note while still maintaining their, you know, high draft position. All right, good stuff on that. Let's jump back over to the West here. We'll, we'll go ahead and wrap up with our final topic here. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the Suns. That's a team that you, you know that you've been backing and the team that you've been high on uh, all season long. Chris Paul, uh, what's his status there, Smooth? Is he going to make it back before the playoffs? Is, have you seen, a, you know, a, any type of a return date yet? Yeah, his estimated return time is uh, April 1st. And you know, there's been some video out there that he's been, you know, taking part in some shoot around. So, um, you know, it looks like he's on target to make his return date. So, uh, April 1st, he'll be, you know, he should be back with a few regular season games, you know, to get his win back going into the playoffs. Now, what happened with him? Did he break his hand or break his thumb or something or ligament damage or something like that? Yeah, there was a game uh, before the All Star break where he, uh, you know, went for a, a loose ball and and hit it up against a player or something like that. Hit up against the ball, and you know he had an MRI. Came back that you know he had uh, a fractured his wrist in a couple spots, and 
he did play, you know, a couple minutes in the All-Star game, um, but that was about it. And, you know, during that All-Star break, that's when the news came out that he was going to miss some time. Uh, but it just, you know, fractured, you know, some of uh, his wrists in a couple spots, but nothing too major. Does that worry you, you know, the fact that he's going to miss all this time, the fact that, uh, you know, like Curry's going to miss all this time, those guys potentially could come back pretty much at the same time. But, you know, Phoenix has been playing well, but the fact that, you know, that they go into the playoffs where they haven't had Chris Paul on the floor. You know, do you have concerns for the Suns, you know, when when all is said and done, when Paul finally comes back, or do you think that they'll be able to, you know, kind of just pick up right where they left off? No, um, I really don't. You know, uh, to me, you know, after a while, you know, seeing watching them play a few weeks, um, they're, they're the best team in the league to me um, throughout their season. Uh, Chris Paul has missed time like he is now as well as Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden, their top three players, and they still uh, maintain a high level of play. Um, I have them about seven points better uh, than the average team, and they've beaten teams, you know, other top teams without, you know, Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Uh, there was a game uh, not too long ago against Utah where they didn't have either, and, you know, they came back, you know, uh, about 12 or 13 points down, and Cam Johnson led the way who's currently out right now. And he had 38 points and hit the game winner. So um, just how strong of, you know, coaching they have with Monty Williams and, you know, just how strong their system and style of play is and how long they've been playing that period of ball you know, over the last few years with their core group of players. Um, they've just been plugging and playing, you know, uh, players that fit how they want to play and still been winning and playing at a high level. So I think when Paul comes back, um, they're just going to pick up where they left off. And, you know, they this isn't nothing new to them. You know, he also missed time, you know, during the playoffs last year. And campaign stepped in as a starter and played really well, you know, like he's doing now, you know, like uh, Aaron Holiday has done, you know, when they brought him over from a trade with the Wizards. So I just think they're just going to continue to play a high level of basketball as they're on, out on a mission to get back to the uh, NBA Finals. All right. So it sounds like you like that team quite a bit. You know, if we take a look at, obviously, that that team's going to get the number one seed. They're nine games ahead of Memphis and nine and a half games against the Warriors. I mean, it would take a, it would take some crazy collapse, um, you know, for that to happen. But let's take a look at at some of the teams that are currently in the play-in. Um, you know, let's throw Denver in there. They're sitting in the sixth in the sixth seed currently. But you would have Denver, the Timberwolves, the Clippers, Lakers, and the Pelicans. You know, is there a team in there particularly that? that you would be worried about or maybe that the Suns would be worried about? Like, which team would they probably not want to see um, out of all those teams that I just mentioned? Uh, I personally don't think that it matters to them what team that they, uh, you know, wins that eighth seed out of the play-in. I just think that they're more so focused on uh, being healthy and, you know, playing their best basketball, uh, you know, from the start of the postseason and trying to get back to the finals as they had a 2-0 series lead and ended up losing losing that. So I think that's their biggest motivation uh, and their biggest opponent is themselves. But if there's any team out of that group, out of that mix, that I think that, you know, that would, um, you know, worry them just a, a little bit, if at all, it would probably be um, a healthy Lakers team. And I probably I'm probably gonna hate myself for saying this. Um, just seeing how this team is, the type of season that they've had, but just watching them play as of late. I know they lost tonight against the Wizards again. You know, up 15. You know, late in the third quarter. But 
Um, you know, when this team plays good basketball, you know, it's hard to uh, you know, it's hard to you know keep up with them offensively. And you know, if they can keep playing this way and get back Anthony Davis healthy, um, I think that's a, a team or that's a group you know that could worry them. You know, look how Westbrook has been playing the last couple games when he's been used right. He has high production level still. So um, it's not much about, you know, the fit of Westbrook or him just not being, you know, uh, in his prime anymore. It's just when you use him correctly, he still produces at a high level. And then when you look at what LeBron is still able to do, I think in any series against any team, um, any time he steps on the floor, I think he's still going to be the best player in a, in a seven-game series and a healthy Anthony Davis could be argument uh, argument made to be the second best player in this series. So if that team can get it together and stay healthy, I think it would be that team. But other teams like, you know, the Nuggets, T-Wolves, you know, they've been having great, you know, regular seasons. But I just don't think that they have enough uh, firepower, you know, healthy firepower to contend with a team like Phoenix. But I think that would be the only team out of that group, um, you know, that could give them a, uh, that can give them a tough series. But, you know, even saying all of that, it would be a, a, a real long shot given how the season has gone for the Lakers to this point and how well the Suns have been playing to this point. So uh, that would be my pick. But um, I still would like the Suns um, in the series and for them to get back to the finals and, and, and win it. It's funny because you sound really reluctant to say anything positive about the Lakers as in like, um, you know, hey, they could do big things. And then they <laughs> go out and they get beat. And it's like, I know. I feel the same way. It's like every time you think that the Lakers could do something good, they go out there and they lose. I think their defense has really let them down. Uh, as you mentioned, the coaching has has let them down. It, I, I mean, it's it's pretty much undeniable smooth. They're going to have to win two games. Uh, right now, currently sitting in the nine seed in the West, but they're a full five games back from the Clippers, and we only have like what, like 10, 11, 12 games left. Um, they're going to have to win two games. Here's my thing. I know LeBron is, is LeBron and, and Russ is Russ, but, you know, what I've seen from this team coming down the stretch, Antonio Di- Anto- <clears throat> Anthony Davis is their MVP. He's their most valuable player. Without him on the court, um, this team, in my opinion, they're not very good, um, no matter what Russ and, and LeBron does. And maybe if, the, look, if, you know, going back to what you said with the coach with Vogel, you know, maybe if he used his guys correctly, um, this team would look better, but man, they look bad without AD. So I don't know how you feel about that. So I'm saying something positive about the Lakers here, but you know, how do you feel about you know the Lakers overall without Anthony Davis? Like, do you feel like he he potentially is the MVP of this team? And maybe when they get him back, you know that they're scary because look, this team, you know, to win it all, their odds are insane. I mean, I can go on Fanduel right now and look it up. Uh, their their odds right now to win the West. They've dropped, they're all all the way down to 60 to one smooth. And in order for them to go ahead and win the title, you can get their odds right now at a hundred to one. Like what does Anthony Davis do for this team? You know, do, do you feel like he might be the MVP? Um, and I know you're against it, but still um, I think that that's a, a legit big three. If they're healthy and they're, and they can get, you know, a couple wins under their belt, they're going to have to do it in the plane. But um and then they have to run into Phoenix, so I guess that's a whole nother story for another day. But you know, wh- how do you feel about pretty much everything I said there? I don't think that I wouldn't say that he's their MVP. I would still say that's LeBron, given you know the type of production that he can still go out there and do in year nineteen. But I would say that he may be their most important player and their most impactful player because 
he is the younger of the two of their big three. Uh, he is the younger of their big three. And, um, you know, he is the, the better defender of their big three as well. And he can also give you, you know, 25 a night while grabbing 10 boards, a couple blocks. And with the lineups that Frank Vogel wants to use, he only wants to play one big. And that one big consistently is Anthony Davis. And when Anthony Davis is not in the lineup, he doesn't play any big and he, and a small ball lineup that we have seen, you know, since Anthony Davis has been out with LeBron at the five has been really good offensively, but defensively when they've gone up against some teams that present some size, um, you know, again, like tonight, they, they wouldn't, they couldn't stop Przingis and Vogel didn't make any adjustments to get uh, Dwight Howard or any other big in there. Um, they struggle defensively. Um, so with Anthony Davis healthy, he, he covers up for a lot of uh, defensive mistakes, points at the paint, offensive rebounds and uh, defensive rebounds and things like that. So I do think if he's able to come back and, and remain healthy for the rest of the season, um, he will, you know, help solidify not only, you know, the production on, you know, on the offense and de- defensive uh, end of the court, but also with, you know, how Frank Vogel likes to use his, his lineups uh, whenever he does, um, you know, being able to play that one big that could, you know, give you what you want offensively and, you know, look to carry out, you know, the defensive principles that Vogel tries to, you know, get them to play instead of having to play like a Carmelo Anthony at the five, uh, you know, you'll have, you know, LeBron at the five less minutes and then you have, you know, Anthony Davis in there. So, you know, I do agree with some, uh, with, you know, with most of what you said, but as far as MVP, um, of the team, I still think that's LeBron with what he's able to still do at, at such a high level, even though he's been in the year, uh, been in the league for so long and going into year 19. And he had another monster night tonight, even though they came up short, you know, with a loss. You know, he still had a big night, you know, passing Carl Malone and becoming the, you know, second leading scorer all time in, in the in the NBA. And he doesn't look like he's going to slow down, you know, anytime soon. He looks like he can play another two, three years at this level, but. Um, you know, he has to get some more wins. And I think Anthony Davis helps with that. And then, you know, being able to use, you know, Westbrook, like they've been able to use the last couple of games, I think that they can do that when Davis comes back, you know, then, you know, uh, the Lakers could possibly make some noise, but I even hate myself saying that, you know, watching this team for 65 plus games and just seeing how bad that they've been and, you know, on the court. And then, you know, from a coaching standpoint, uh, there's been no consistency there with a lot of head-scratching decisions. But, yeah, I think that would be the only team that has a you know has a, a fighter's chance, but it's a, it's a crazy chance. I'm going to bet them. I don't even care. I'm going to bet them to win the West. Look, I'll put a couple pizza bets on them. You know, we talked about this team, I think, when they were, what, like 30-1 to 1 to win the West, and I was like, that might not be a bad ticket. Well, in hindsight, you know, it's 60-1 to 1 now, so – I guess, you know, hey, that might not be a bad ticket either. It would have been better than, than 30 to 1. So I don't have any problem really playing him. The reason I said that Davis is, you know, probably the MVP of the team is because defensively, I mean, this looks like the worst defense in the league. Um, and I think that that's like that just shows up offensively. I don't think it, it really shows up a whole lot because LeBron can go out there and make up for a lot of that. I mean, we've seen him go for what, 50, 56 points or whatever he's been doing. As you mentioned, another big night. But defensively, Man, I feel like not having AD out there like this team defensively is just – they're just absolutely terrible. So it'll be interesting to see you know, what they look like when he gets back and if they can go ahead and kind of get rolling. But, you know, the only reason why I would give the Lakers a fighting chance is the fact that 
No, you have a guy like Chris Paul who's injured. He's going to come back late. You have a guy like Curry who's injured now. He's going to come back late. You have a guy like AD. So, you know, you got a couple couple of the main guys on, on some of the best teams that are coming back. You know, how are these teams all going to look? But, you know, the Lakers are up against it, as I mentioned, sitting in the ninth seed. They're going to have to win, you know, two games in the plan. They're going to have to go up probably against the Suns there uh, more than likely and, and have to beat them. So it's not going to be an easy uh, road to hold for the Lakers if they do make it. But uh, that'll wrap up the podcast, guys. Good stuff there from Smooth and I, as I mentioned. Uh, look for premium play from Smooth tomorrow. Uh, you guys can go ahead and get that on pregame.com. You guys know where to find us on Twitter at sleepyj underscore pregame at smooth underscore 702. You guys can always get us at thebettingpredators.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for NBA Sunday. Enjoy the games.